Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted and Logos podcast, episode number 115. My name is Brad, joined as always by my dear friend, co-conspirator, partner in crime, Austin Luke. Austin, how you doing? Well, hello, everybody. It is a pleasure to be back. Yeah, very excited to be here. Very excited to uh, continue our series. We're talking Reformed theology versus Armenian theology, although... I wish I had a better term for it. Maybe we'll get into that here in a second. But we are joined this week uh, by one of my former professors over at Boyce. Uh, reconnected with him maybe a year ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just he showed up at my church, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Here? Yeah. yeah. What are you doing <laughs> at my church? I love it. What no, are you no, doing not church. Church. Yeah. 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 My little small yeah. country church in, in Lanesville. Yeah. yeah. Very cool though. But uh, Dr. Gary Amon, uh good to see you, man. Thanks. Thanks good to be it. here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> good to see you. Good to get reconnected. Good to meet this coffee connoisseur, right? Yeah. Connoisseur Austin. Right. Yeah, yes, sir. So you know, uh, Culkin, right, is the name of the coffee yeah. shop that you own. So yeah. you plug that to the people. Well, it was listen. it was started ten years ago. After um, you, you know, it's funny uh, you talk about reformed and Armenian. When I came to Boyce in uh, 1999, I actually didn't come to Boyce. Came to Southern and started my PhD. At that time, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as reformed as it is now, mm. and uh, and I came there because the Lord called me to, and then um, but it, it's an amazing thing. I was called there to get my PhD, and just so that I could train youth pastors yeah. and be a part of youth ministry, and that's what I did for thirty five years. I was just a wow. I was a youth wow. pastor. I don't consider myself anything else in ministry. That's my official title. One of those rare bo- birds that could make a, a career out of it. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't a stepping stone. Somebody told me one time after my first church out of seminary that, you know, you're never going to go anywhere unless you become a senior pastor. So, oh, wow. you know what? I thought, oh, my gosh, I am never going to go anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. make it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't know I was climbing a ladder <laughs> instead of a calling, you know? Right, right. And so I really, I, I went out and became a pastor. And it took me 18 months to figure out why I was so miserable. And then it took me another 18 months to get back into student ministry. Mm. And uh, and when I got back into student ministry, it was 1999, and that was my that was my third student ministry, third church to serve. I started in 1986. Um, it was the best ministry I ever had. Um, more kids were coming to Christ uh, in that six years I was down in Bullock County. Kentucky at Bullet Lick Baptist Church. <laughs> I'm familiar. I'm still running into kids. They're still faithful. It was a small revival, guys. That's what it was. There was an. There, when I started, I had two high schoolers, and then I had um, 14 middle schoolers. And no, I had 12 middle schoolers. Total of 14. Beg, borrow, and pleaded. They tell you if you talk to them today, any of those kids, they absolutely hated me. When I first came there, because I kept talking this Jesus stuff, and <laughs> how dare you do that in church? Yeah, and well, you know that's an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't wow. that an amazing thing? I remember uh, I was in, I came into one church, and I told everybody that it's not really good for you to have sex outside of marriage. I lost half my youth. <gasps> how dare you? <laughs> oh my goodness! But you know, Man. you got. You, but anyway, the Lord's always blessing. That turned out to be a great ministry too, and. Uh, and and I begged, borrowed, and pleaded. They went off to camp with me, and uh, every one of those kids became a believer. Wow. They didn't go down to the altar. It's not that I don't, tr- you know, I believe you can have an altar call. I'm not, I'm not going to get on all that, but, 
but I but I really wanted to face them in what they called the afterglow after that worship yeah. service. Mm. Where are you? I wanted to yeah. look at them in the eye and say, "Where are you? What are you doing? Where yeah. are you yeah. going?" Yeah. And uh, every one of them came to Christ, and they went back to Bullet Central High School and tore it up. Oh, wow. Incredible. I mean, yeah. they were inviting their friends. And I think in that uh, high school Sunday school class, we had two within about six months. We had 50. And uh, at that point, we started a Wednesday night thing, and it grew. We had 425 people coming oh, to this goodness. family and youth ministry thing yeah. that at a church that only had 200 people. Praise the Lord. Wow. And I was baptizing. I, there was one point where I was baptizing kids and young adults uh, in an 18-month period. I was ba- baptizing two and three almost every Sunday in that 18-month oh period. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the Lord was just uh, having a sweep. I was talking to mm-hmm. another youth pastor not too long ago, and he was saying, yeah, he was at North Bullet, and the same thing was happening with him at that at his church. I don't know if it was Little Flock or some church like that. I I don't remember the name of the church. He said, but we saw the same thing. Something was happening in Bullock County. Something was happening. At that time, and the Lord's Spirit was moving through. The Holy Spirit was moving through and bringing a lot of people to Jesus. Wow. That's incredible. I I lived in Bullock County a little bit when I was a kid uh, with my mom, but I still went to the same Christian school in in Louisville for Mm. K through 12. But, uh, did some umpiring at Bullet Central for a little <laughs> yeah. for a year, right? Yeah. And uh, I have a, a my grandma uh, made me a T-shirt quilt, and I have this uh, T-shirt on there with autographs on it from a youth fest at Little Flock, where yeah. Skillet played one year, yeah. and there was like Skillet playing in uh, in the oh, back the of the church, yeah, right in a parking lot to like oh, okay. three hundred people, yeah, wow. Kind of incredible. So that's my little Bullet County side note. But uh, Bullet ma- County is a different place. It really it? is. It really. I went to Bullet Lick Baptist Church. Yep. And they called themselves Bullet Lickers. Oh gosh. <laughs> I feel like I've been to that church before. I feel like I knew someone that was there at one point and yeah. and went in. And when I was yeah. when I was at Boyce, uh, so a little thing. Our connection is I was a youth ministry major at Boyce. Started in two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, was on what would have been a maybe five year plan, and then ran out of money and and a little bit of. Uh, uh, motivation, I think, and and stopped, and finally finished. Not at Boyce, unfortunately, but finally finished my bachelor's and 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 got a master's degree from Liberty. So yeah, Liberty's a good kind of tried to come full circle and finish what I started. Yeah, but and this is not just because he's sitting in front of me, but legitimately, I don't remember. Just man, gosh, that's been what 15, 17 yeah. years, something like that. I don't remember a ton of specifics. I remember like three professors' names. And I've always remembered Dr. Almonds, like well, or Dr. Gary's. Thanks. Uh, it, in a very good way, like <laughs> honestly, yeah. Because uh, the classes were as entertaining. I never dreaded it. So I, yeah. I'm kind of stoked to have have you in my house. Thanks. Kind of cool. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> well, so. and and it's a testament too, because I, I, getting kind of back to why we're here, of we're opening up a conversation. Yeah. And um, between the reform side and and forgive me, we're calling it Armenian, but what what do you call it? I call it silliness. Silliness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's it. It's how can we have a conversation and still be able to joke in the background and say, hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee afterwards yeah. and talk about yeah. every other thing? Well, you know, uh, one, the way that the Lord, I met the Lord on an island a thousand miles off the tip of India. I was so drugged out. If I could smoke it, snort it, shoot it, I did it. And, uh, 
joined the military to get away from it. And doggone, in 1975, when I joined, it was probably the worst place to go to get away from it. (laughs) And I met the Lord a thousand miles off the tip of India. And it was through natural revelation, guys, Romans 1. You know, the, the way that he created, because it was, it was raw, uh, little island, and I'm not going to get into all that, but um, I, was, I, was, I, I didn't quite receive the Lord, but I knew that God existed and that he made everything. And two years later, though, my family, while I was on that island, the Lord swept through my family, and um, they started going to church when I got out of the military. I went to church with them. They invited me one night, and I was so happy to be out of the military. I'd do anything. I said, "Woo, yeah, I'm, I'm out of that thing, yeah." And um, but as I was sitting there <clears throat> after the music, um, this man got up and started talking about a man named Jesus Christ. And he, as I was sitting there, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on me. All those memories that I had experienced on that island of understanding. Uh, that there was a God through what had been made, um, he impressed upon me, and I heard his voice. That's me. That's my name. I'm the one who made everything. Mm. And I sat up and listened, guys, because I wasn't raised a Christian. And I didn't understand anything. I didn't understand too much of anything when I went in those doors, but but... In three weeks, I went back every day, and I didn't understand too much, but I did understand this, that Jesus Christ was God who became a man to die on a cross. He rose from the dead, and he ascended, and he's going to come back for us. And now here's what really blew my mind. He wanted me. Oh, my gosh. He wanted me. Guys, I had never been wanted by anybody. Honest. And he wanted me, and that blew me away. I didn't make any team in high school. I didn't. I wasn't scholastically. I didn't. I didn't do anything. I was just a dopehead. Yeah. And I, I told my wife this not too long ago. She just was. I said I went to that little yearbook signing party they always had in the tenth grade, and I took <laughs> my yearbook, my first yearbook I ever bought, and went to the party, and nobody signed my book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was not a popular guy. And uh, and he wanted me and that blew me away. So I was in a I was remodeling a house. I've been a carpenter since I was 15 and a friend of mine when I got out of the service said remodel this. Come and help me remodel this old house and turn it into a restaurant. And I remember we put this addition on and I was putting up some sheetrock nailers, just pieces of wood to not nail sheetrock to and I was sitting there cutting this wood, and I thought about everything that the Lord was telling me, and I was learning through the Sunday school, and the sun, that's back when they had Sunday school, which we call <laughs> small groups, and then we went to small groups, which I still say, just like Sunday school. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a plumber and a bank teller that tutored me in the ways of Christ. Mm. And uh, while I was in that house, I said, Lord, if... You're who you say you are, and you want me. I cut a board in half, like cutting a covenant, guys, okay? Yeah. I cut a board in half, and I said, I'm yours. And I became a born-again Christian in that little room at the back of that house that day. Wow. And um, then I went down and did the Southern Baptist thing and made a public profession. <laughs> and then that, that preacher said, oh, man, 
you need to be baptized. So I was baptized that night. So that's where I'm coming from. And I'm yeah. sharing this. There was no... Now, I will, I will say this. There were two or three men along the way that helped me. But it was a Church of Christ guy that was telling me about Jesus. Yeah. And then there was people from the Jesus Revolution that was happening on the West Coast that were in the military. You know what they did? They leave tracks yep. out every place. Those old chick tracks. You know, yep. G.I. Joe goes to hell. You know? Yeah. yeah. And you read that and you go, oh my gosh, you know, the Holy Spirit following you. So you get convicted. But but then I, I was so happy to just be with the Lord. I didn't care about anything. Oh, I'd go to church and da 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 da. It didn't matter. And then when I was in college, the Lord called me to go into the United Methodist Church. So guess where I went to get where I guess where I went? There's only two Bible believing Methodist church uh, seminaries in the country at that time, Asbury Theological Seminary and Old Roberts University, which is Pentecostal City. Charismatic. Yeah. Now it wasn't it wasn't prosperity back then. Mm. The prosperity message infiltrated about 1985, and I remember our apologetics professor wrote an article, and every professor and he actually wrote a book confronting that, and they fired him. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, good for him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Good for him. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, this is this is an old story yeah. that even. The old-time Pentecostals were looking at, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean there's not supposed to be, wait a minute, suffering is a part of the walk. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, and then uh, I served in, as a United Methodist minister for 11 years, and I was a full-fledged elder until the recent split that they had over the homosexual issue they should have had 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons that I left. Uh, uh, I left in... Uh, 1995, I think. Okay. And so I tried to start a church. That's when I became a senior pastor and had a miserable time. Came back. The Lord called me up here. So I came back to Southern Seminary because a friend recommended it and came up here. And it, we knew that it was the Lord because we were, we visited Southwest and nothing was happening. Like, But then we came back to, to um, and we visited Southern Seminary and everything fell in place. And I'll be dogged. That's, we knew that this is where the Lord wanted us to be. So now here, this is Southern Baptist. Don't care. You always want to. You always want to dance with the one who brought you to the dance. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I was back at Southern Baptist. But you know, here you go. But then all of a sudden, here became what I would call a movement towards the the highly reformed. And you go from beyond reformed to a very high five Calvinist. Uh, five five point Calvin's view <clears throat> yeah. of Scripture. So my my experience, it was the first time when I when I got got to Boyce and started going to classes out really outside of the youth ministry department, more so in in your theology, church history, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. First time I really got exposed to this this idea, and I was very turned off by it because of how like kind of like you mentioned, hyper reformed it was, and and it almost arrogant, almost a, pretty aggressive. Yeah. And, and it really was a, a like, oh, I don't like a lot of this just because they're not very nice. And so I, I, it, it, I, I stayed away from this topic and this for years because of that. Because it's like, I, not that I didn't want to study, but that like, or even that I disagreed with them necessarily on some things. I just wanted to be able to chat about theology and not, dislike the person across from me and vice versa, right? Yeah, yeah. And it just became so emotional and so heated that I, I just, it turned me off completely. And I think kind of like bring kind of, like I said, kind of where we want to go with this is to remove that. Yeah. And to be able to discuss it. And, and I, you know, I have friends that, that when this topic comes up, immediately their heckles go up and they're ready to defend and fight and 
ah, and then on both sides of the aisle in this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what we want to, no, I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Like, I want to disagree with you maybe and, and still go do ministry together and yeah. still go preach the gospel, still make disciples. And that's just, that's my heart behind it and sure. behind all this. Sure. So. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, I, I grew up reformed, but like, I didn't know what reformed meant. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so I grew up Baptist, Southern Baptist, but it was, I guess it was just always there. Yeah. Um, so growing up in it, and it wasn't until started hanging around Brad, and uh, bad influence. Pe- people are looking at me, and they're you are co- bad. <laughs> well, I love so, you anyway. I mean, he doesn't have any ta- he doesn't have any tattoos yet. I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, it's true, and I won't. Anyway, back to our tattoo episode. If anybody wants to listen, so yeah, um, I started hanging around Brad. Granted, this is before we start doing the podcast, but I, I was called a natural Calvinist. I'm like. Wait, I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, well, you naturally came to the views that Calvin did. I'm like, well, I was just reading the Bible. And 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 that's it. It's then the heckles got up, and I'm like, hold on, hold on, whoa, hold on. We're we're just talking about scripture here. And so, and and again, that goes back to why are we here? Mm-hmm. If we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we we are heirs to the kingdom of heaven. Why are we and let me phrase it because because I I do believe we need to be able to struggle with these things to you know having good debates sure. but then it turns into a fight exactly. and it's like no no you need we need to set it aside we need to have a good conversation sure argue a little bit but like we like and, we said in this setting is not for that either like right. we just yeah. want sure a different perspective sure. and sure. we want to be unbiased well we, let me share we this it. with you when when i came up to southern i had an old wesleyan friend call me up just out of the blue i hadn't talked to him in years and he was him i said hey dan how you doing so good to hear from you what's going on he started mm-hmm. talking to me and you could tell i could tell it was him hauling around he was looking for something yeah he was looking for something and i said what's going on he goes um saw that you're a professor now congratulations doctor yeah he goes um you're at Southern Seminary. Uh, I said, yeah. He goes, you a Calvinist? And I said, well, uh, no, Dan. Uh, but, you know, I even while I was at Oral Roberts University, uh, I, I never believed you could lose your salvation. And he went off on me, guys. Oh, wow. I'm an Arminist. Those Calvinists are totally wrong. And he just started chewing on me. Wow. And I said, whoa, whoa. You're calling me up after how many years? And you want to do, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? You've got some kind of agenda here, buddy, mm-hmm. that's not of God. And so anyway, I don't even remember how the conversation ended, but I know that it was not, it was something very, very unfruitful. Oh. And it was not something that was honoring to the Lord. So I ended the conversation like, basically, I think it's none of your business. Mm. Basically, yeah. what are you? Who doing? are you? Yeah, who are you? Yeah, it's none of your business where God calls me to go serve. I, if I feel a sense to go someplace, because this is a calling, and you know, I, I'm just going to try to be obedient to it. That's yeah. all. And I'm not trying to say I'm super holy or super spiritual. I'm not. I'm just trying to be obedient. <laughs> right. You know? It's just the yeah. basics. It's just the basic yeah. thing. So, so anyway, but I, you know, I know that this is, and I, I do take issue with very hyper Calvinists. I, I mm-hmm. do. But guys, if you're going to ask me if you lose your salvation, I'm going to tell you no, but it's not because you persevere. 
It's because the covenant of God guarantees it. Yeah. That's what guarantees it. I'm not, I don't persevere nothing, you know? <laughs> I don't ascribe. I don't ascribe to uh, any five points of either Arminianism or Calvinism. So if you think, well, you got to be one or another, why? You know, if you're a natural, if you're a natural Calvinist, that's the first time I've ever heard that. But <laughs> but at the same time, I would say that I'm just a natural follower of Christ. Yeah. And so where Christ tells me he makes himself known to me, he filled me with his spirit, and I can tell you exactly the moment he filled me with his spirit, but I'll tell all my Pentecostal friends, I didn't speak in tongues, and I, did, I wasn't slain in the spirit because I was on top of a roof, 60 feet off of the ground, and if I'd have been slain in the spirit, I would have fallen down, rolled off, and he'd have killed me. Slain in the spirit and the body. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was remodeling that house the day after I committed, uh, the, that Sunday after I was baptized. That Sunday night, I went to I went to work. I, I was standing on that roof, putting on the sheathing for the shingles. My partner drove off, and as I was, I was just thinking about all the events that happened in my life and how joyful I was. And <sighs> and I was sitting there, bent over nailing, and all of a sudden, I started smelling something really sweet. It's like burning cotton candy. I remember as a kid going to the county fair, and you'd get out of the car and you'd walk up to the county fair, and you'd hit that you'd hit that arena, and that cotton candy would just hit your nostrils. And I looked up to see where I could see where it's coming from, and all of a sudden I looked up, and the sky was a different color of blue, and the grass was a different color green, and something welled up inside of me, guys. I was standing up on that roof, going, "I love Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus." And how did that love come? By the presence of the Holy Spirit. I felt that joy. That's why that old time song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It welled up inside of me. Yeah, yeah. There was, and, and that's where it was. It was the presence of his spirit. We call that the fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. And I, I'll give you another great sign. When I was in the military, I remember my last tour of duty. I, I, I came back and being in the Navy, I was a CB being around sailors while well, I talked like a sailor and I would I would talk to my mom this sweet little Christian lady and I go hey mom what the and it would just roll out of my mouth yeah. and the profanity I couldn't control it it's the reason why they say curse like a sailor <laughs> yeah that weekend when I was baptized and filled with the spirit his joy wiped it clean oh wow never had another issue I I at one point I had no control the next point it was gone so I had very tangible experiences, and I don't apologize for my experiences because I'm a changed man because of his presence mm. in my life. And so there we get back into it. But, you know, you talk about um, the, the, the bitterness that we have with one another because the, the reform movement became stronger and stronger the longer I was there. And I can remember the stories of the students at Boyce getting into arguments to where they brought each other to tears. Oh, wow. And, and, I, and I, I, I have long um, wondered what's going on. And I, I think, I personally think the issue is what Paul was talking about. I personally think the church where we are now is in the same place the Corinth church was. When Paul said the first place that we have the word uh, heresy is in Corinth. The letter to the Corinth, the first one, and it's it's not bad teaching, it's division. 
Heresy mm. is first described as division, and they were divided over what? You guys know the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians is what? I'm of Paul, mm. yep. I'm of Apollos, and, what, and listen to what Paul says, though. He says mm. this, he says, <clears throat> uh, if I can find it, do not go beyond what is written, then you will not take pride in one man over against another. So what happens is when we lay our faith on men instead of Jesus, then all of a sudden another translation of that is that you get puffy. Mm. Arrogance. You, you puff up. And there's only two places where the word puffy or puff up it comes in the scriptures and it's what with knowledge it mm-hmm. puffs you up because you think you're smarter than everybody else. And then this one is is that you take pride or puffiness and, and and my wife and I were discussing this. She goes, you know, every time, and she's a pediatrics nurse, <clears throat> and every time you see puffiness in somebody's skin or their eyes or whatever, you know that something has invaded. Mm. And something has invaded. Now, this is where Paul goes back, talking about Apollos and Peter and Paul. He called them even super apostles because they must have been incredible speakers. He goes, guys, I didn't come to you with eloquent words and I didn't come with you with wise and persuasive speech. He said, I came to you with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember what happened in Corinth, go back to Acts. And if you read he was in Acts, I think he was there in, in Corinth. He was there for 17 months. Guys, incredible things were happening. Mm. But, but why did he do that? He said, I, I came with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit so that your faith would not rest on men. Mm. So what happens is when we have our champions, our kings of what I call our uh, narrative, whatever narrative that is you have in Christianity, whether it's, it's flourishing from the Reformed Armenian, whenever you have the people who are the kings of that narrative, <clears throat> what I've discovered is, is that we get puffy because we've laid our faith on those men and it's been removed from Jesus. And we need to move our faith back to the Jesus. Because Paul said this, guess who went to the cross? Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely one of the apostles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it is, if, yeah. you're, if your faith is on Jesus, you're not going to get puffy. It's interesting because I think we all have a tendency to find that one person that we kind of latch on to and... and and what I've noticed in my life is, is I've, as if I've felt that tendency to get attached to one particular theologian or one particular, all of a sudden it's kind of reveal. God kind of maybe puts it on my heart, reveals something that I just don't agree with with that person. It's like right. that's not you don't agree with that. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, I need to take a step back and be like, okay, it, he's not the end all be all yeah. Yeah. of my theology. I mean, th- th- this book is I have it on my computer, but this yeah. the, the the scripture is the Bible is, right. and that that is where like Austin says, that's where we need to get that theology is through the Bible and through reading right. the Bible. And obviously you got commentaries, you got Greek and Hebrew and, and all these other languages you can get into. And I'm not smart enough to get into those, at least the, the other languages side of it, <laughs> but it it's, it, yeah, it's about scripture. It's scripture alone. That that's where we get our theology. It's where we get our faith. It's where we get the sanctification is through the scripture and through the Holy Spirit revealing things. Right. And you know, the problem is, is that we have so many biases that are built in, like mm. if, if we're going to read into it and we can't help that. Anybody who says they don't, I heard a young man the other day teaching, oh, 
if you preach expository, you'll remove all your bias. I'm going, you're the biggest fool I've heard yeah, in a long time. Absolutely. Our bias yeah. is always in there. And the Lord, the, the, the John 6, where he says, no man comes, you know, to me unless the Father draw him. You know, it's a big one for reform. It's like, oh, we don't have any choice. We have to be drawn there. Well, that it's a better, uh, better translation if it says enable, because it uses that word enable later on. Same word, but it's translated enable for some reason. And then we go to John 12, and he says, if my name be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So there's some this kind of this kind of event happening. But what that means is people don't realize that what why he just said that in John 6 is because he just talked about eating him. Right. <laughs> and yeah. those guys that he was talking to didn't know what he was meaning. And they said, oh, my gosh, this is a hard teaching. You yeah. mean I have to become a cannibal? I have to eat you? you? Yeah. You think about that, guys. Yeah, yeah. We got to put ourselves in their in their shoes for a moment. What would you do if Jesus told you you're looking at the that the guy who's going to be the savior of the world? And he just said, "You got to eat me." Yeah, you know, no, we're, we I'm feeling a little let, Jim Jones vibe say, there, right? We're, like, we're able to read the whole scriptures here. We're like, oh, of course that doesn't mean that, but yeah. no, it's yeah, yeah. They didn't know what it meant, and they all walked off. And he turned around to his twelve, or maybe his one twenty. I'm not sure. He just says his disciples says, "You want to leave too?" And he's and that's what he's talking about. There's deeper things that we have to get into that the Lord has to enable us to understand to be drawn to him even further. There are growth, guys, I don't think any way that I think from 15, 20 years ago. And I remember a story of who my favorite theologian over at Southern, oh gosh, his name just skipped out of my head. He's the New Testament guy, writes hundred pages every 30 days. Anyway, oh, um, New Testament. Anyway, we'll yeah. just say one of my favorite guys. That we want. <laughs> but you know, he one of his students was said he was he got into an argument in his class, and his his student said, "Hey, you." He said he said the student was accusing him of saying something. He goes, "I've never said that." He goes, he goes, he goes, "Yes, you did." And he showed him this article. The student showed him this article from this professor. What he wrote, and all of a sudden he realized, "Oh, I did say that twenty five years ago." Mm. Now he's yes. completely changed. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're the Lord is enabling us to constantly grow and grow and grow and go deeper and deeper and deeper. And when we just think, "Oh, I'm 25, I got it all, I've got it all in my back pocket," you're an idiot. Yep, you're well, an idiot. Brad and I are. We've been talking. We've been doing this thing for a little over two years, and we're well over 100 episodes. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to start back at episode one, and I need to re-listen because. My theology has changed in different different aspects yeah. here and there, and <laughs> looking at the sanctification process yeah. of we are all being sanctified. So yeah, if the Lord is working in you and you're able to look back five, ten, twenty years from where you are now and be like, oh yeah, I have changed. That's a good thing, yeah, because God is bringing him closer to look like Christ. And, and it's scary to think you haven't changed in twenty five years. Oh man. That means you've not grown. Yeah. Because the Lord should be taking us through His Spirit and the Word. Because I always put that, because I think I heard an expression not too long ago uh, that I thought was really apropos, very precise for our particular culture in the West. Because I, you know, and I say this very humbly, I've had a lot of tra uh, opportunities to travel around the world. I've been overseas about 110 times, and I've worked with the underground church in China, I worked in Malaysia. All those kind of things. They have a totally different, they're totally different. They're ones who began to wake me up. I was 
I was walking uh, down a back alley in the underground, working with the underground church in China, and Seven was our guy, and it was about the second or third day I was there, and they were moving me, and they had to move me at night, and they had to cover me up, and I couldn't be seen. We were going down this back alley to this new place where I was going to teach. I was training people how to reach young people in the, in the Chinese culture. And it just stopped at me as I was uh, talking, uh, talking to Seven. It just dawned on me. I said, hey, Seven, by the way, what denomination are you? And he turned around, guys, <laughs> and looked at me. He goes, denomination? We don't have those here. What are you talking about? Yeah. And so when I think that we're looking at where we place our faith, mm. I said, well, what if, I said, Seven, what if, what if a guy believes this? Okay. Yeah. What if a guy believes it? Okay. As long as he says, as long as they understand that Jesus Christ was Lord, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he, he sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he's coming back to judge you quick. And he was born of the, and he started naming these little uh, essential elements of the work of Christ and the events of Christ's life. He goes, oh, well, you know, there was no, there was no qualm. And I think this is where we get into it, that this, this puffiness that Paul's talking about, when we lay our faith someplace else besides Jesus, even as a believer, um, that's that puffiness, that irritation that's already within us that's starting there, that when we begin to express it to one another, it becomes very visible. Mm. And I've been there, guys. I've been very visible, uh, especially not so much, oh, if you believe this or believe that, but when somebody thinks, oh, you're wrong and you're stupid, Gary. When I feel like they're looking at me like you're stupid. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been a believer since 1977, I started ministry in 1986, and I say this very humbly. The Lord has used me to bring hundreds of people to Christ. I've ministered in many different arenas all over the world, and I have a, I have a 21-year-old <laughs> looking at me and going, you're stupid because you don't believe in five points. Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, and for our listeners, listen very carefully, because if this does not show you just how awesome it is to live where we are right now here in America. We're Southern Indiana. And for us to even be able to sit down and talk about these yeah. things, whereas over in China, they don't, there are hundreds of thousands of people who don't even have a Bible and whatever they have heard from the scripture, they haven't memorized. You bet. How much scripture do you guys have memorized? Can I share this with you? I was in the place in Winchow, China, where they were actually going in and they had gotten bold and they called it the new Jerusalem of China. The Jerusalem of China, and they and the and the, they got a new governor in 2016. He drove through and he saw the crosses in the church. He said, "Tear them down," and that's what you saw on Christianity Today. Yep. I was in that area, and my students sent us a video of the police coming in to their seminary class. I wasn't there at the time. I was I had just come back about I was about six months away from coming back, uh, six months removed from the classroom, and. Uh, they were. Sh they showed the police coming in, shutting down the class. Wow! Because they will not allow that. But here's the other thing: I had students that had traveled on train for three days to come into my class. Oh my goodness! Just so that they could have an opportunity to sit and talk about and learn how to develop um, believers and to bring the lost to Christ. Yeah. And, and how far are we willing to drive to church on right. a, a <laughs> right. one-week right. Sunday? <laughs> right. Yeah. I had students that rode trains for three days to get oh there. Oh, my goodness. Wow. There's just a hunger that, that's 
just so foreign to us. Yeah. I mean, not not to use that word. We're comfortable. Yeah, we are way in, too in a pun setting, but yeah, the, it, that idea of of people in in China and these countries where persecution is so prevalent, there's a hunger there that we just don't fully understand. Yeah, yeah, and, and we need to on yeah. somehow we need somehow. to understand that. But but here's where in this whole issue, even if you're Reformed or Arminianist or Calvinist or whatever you want to say, or you're Pentecostal or you're whatever, you've got to step back and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How does it, how does this serve me serving him? How does this empower me? What's this doing for me? And if I were to ask you guys, what does it do for you to be Reformed? What does it do for you? Yeah. Well, and it and that's a good question because for me. N- being newer to, I guess you could say the quote unquote labels, yeah, as they're called, um, that was my question. I'm like, why do we have them? And get, getting into this this side of it, I have understood it as it is a quick way to understand what kind of theology you have. Yeah, to to where you say, yeah, I'm Reformed or I'm Presbyterian or I'm Baptist or I'm Methodist. Mm-hmm. It's like if you know, granted, that's what if you know what they believe then it's like oh okay so i know what basis you have so i know how to talk to you but then i'm like why do we not just say i'm i'm a christian yeah i'm a born again believer whatever you want to say and if you don't like that say follower christ a believer whatever what did they used to say the follower of the way yeah the way the way i prefer the way but better than any other thing yeah but nobody uses that because it's not you know, it's not it's not descriptive enough. Yeah, it's right. not. Yeah, right. and we have to hone each other. But but here's why, why I ask that, and I would I would add that because you know Jesus uh, he asked over 285 different questions that you can count through the four gospels. Some had said more, but I think really I think about 285 is about an accurate number. Sometimes he would ask a question to answer a question. He was asked a question, then he'd just turn around and ask them a question just to kind of hook them. So I'm going to ask you a question, like what does my particular flavor, narrative, label serve for me? What does it do for me to serve him? But I would have another question that would be right after that. And that question is, is do you know where you're going? Mm. And how is that connected? Because if you're not knowing where you're going, knowing where you're going and how your label might serve in that journey, then I would say you really are. As Paul says, he says, I'm running the race to win. I am not a man. He goes, he says this. I love this. He says, I belong to no man because that's what we're talking about. You place your faith on a man. I remember when Piper used to come to campus, mm-hmm. it was so freaky. Yeah. Because those young fanboys, boy, I'm telling yep. you, those guys. He, t- chapel would start at ten o'clock in the morning. They would be there at eight o'clock so they could get on the front row. Yeah, I mean they. Th- that's what I'm talking about. Right. That was that's spooky. Yeah, but but uh, Paul says I belong to no man. He says, but I make myself a slave to all men, mm. so that I might win as many as possible. And then he says, I do not run this race as a man who's running aimlessly, and I don't fight like I'm beating the air. He says, I'm running to win the prize. So here's my question. Do you know where you're running to? Yeah. That's the issue. How are you serving him? 
what are you doing? And I promise you, 90% of the believers I talk to, they have no clue where they're going. Mm. They don't have a clue. Uh, and I, I ask you guys, do you know where you're going? I am a firm believer in where I'm going. Where are you going? I'm going to be in heaven in the throne room with our king. But there's something else that happens before that. Oh, that's true. I'm going to die first. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to die. But in that process, before you go in, you and I, it's part of the gospel, guys, and it serves us. You and I are going to stand before our God Almighty and give an account mm. for our life. Yes. It's called judgment. And here's the thing. Are you getting ready for your judgment? Now, we know at the end there are two judgments. One great right throne judgment. We ain't got nothing to worry about that because we have trusted Christ. His blood covers us. We've been set free in, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, new covenant. Uh, 613 rules boil down to three. And those are what? No longer the law will be written on stone, but what? He is going to write the law on our hearts. No man will have to say, know the Lord, for we can all know the Lord. We can all have a personal relationship, him talking with us. But then the third part, how do those first two happen? The third part's it. He goes, I will take their sins and wipe their sins from my mind. Now, I used to listen to that old song, what can wash away my sin? <laughs> Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I always thought that it was in me. But it's not the new covenant. And you want to know why I believe I'll never lose my salvation? Because my sins ain't in his head. Bam. Yeah. Nothing on me persevering by his faithfulness and the power of the blood has washed my offense from his mind. Just like if you and I were walking down, we got into an argument and I had an offense with you. Fences will come. We'll get offended with one another. Guess what? We don't even look each other in the eye after that. But guess what happened to the offense between my Lord and me? It has completely eliminated. And now he can take his law and write it. And by the way, how do you get your law in somebody? Write it on our hearts. The law was never just rules. That's his character. How does he get his character in us? He gives us himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's called, and we forget this part of the gospel, it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, that sounds Pentecostal, but I ain't Pentecostal, guys. Catch this. <laughs> it's biblical. It's biblical. Now, catch this. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit, which we were always supposed to be the temple of God. Nothing that could ever produce this in the Old Testament ever happened that could produce this. But now by the blood of the cross and the resurrection, he can now, in the, by our faith placed in that event, his spirit can dwell within us. And now the spirit lives within us. And now he guides us. And now he's shaping us mm. from the inside out instead of from the outside in. Mm. Yeah, that happens too. Right. But, but catch this though. Catch this though. We still have one other judgment. We do. The judgment is just not for the lost, it's for us. And that's called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, here's the, here's the funny thing about judgment. It can be either a positive thing or a negative thing. Then this is where I'm worried about. Let me read you this, let, let me read you this, um, this verse. Paul had two goals in his life. His first goal, Philippians 3.10, uh, was for his personal life, that I may know him. Uh, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That was his first, first, uh, that was his first personal goal. Now catch this. Isn't it amazing? He doesn't say scripture. 
He says, by, our, by his suffering and that power of the resurrection is the way that he knows him. So, you know, this is what's so strange about, I don't want to say strange. I would just say what hinders our understanding, the prosperity message. Mm-hmm. Prosperity said, we're not supposed to suffer. But wait a minute, Paul said, everything I suffer, I discover my Jesus even more. Yeah. So, and you know that when you've struggled so many times, does he not make himself more evident to mm-hmm. you? He does. So, so anyway, but then he had a goal for his ministry, and that comes out of Colossians 1.28. Colossians 1.28. I'll let you get there. You never have those old preachers that tell you the verse, and then they don't let you get there. Yep. They're already gone. <laughs> I want to go, dude, slow down. Throw a hymn to let him or something. Sword drills. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready. This says this, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching every, everyone with all wisdom. Notice this wisdom is very key. From the very beginning, why was the woman tempted from the very beginning? Because she understood wisdom. There is a whole section of literature in the Bible called wisdom literature. My PhD is in wisdom literature. It's trying to discern the teaching methodology of the sage because Jesus was a priest and a prophet and a king, but his teaching methodology was as a sage. And so a sage taught wisdom. Our goal is wisdom with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. This is why I can't stop. Guys, what was Paul's goal? To present everyone perfect. Now, what does perfect mean? It's just the word telos. It's used many times. It just means complete. That's the best one. It's complete. Now, what does it mean to be complete? And where are we going to be presented? Now, here's the scary thing for any minister who may be listening or any one of us. We're, t- we're teaching the body of Christ. Everyone who is our student or our disciple, we will stand there as they're brought forward and will be held accountable. That's why teachers are, higher, uh, are held to a higher accountability than, I don't, want to, I don't want to use the word layperson. I just want right. to say believers that we teach. Right. Yes. We are held to it higher, but where are we presenting them to? What is this? It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Mm. And you guys have heard this, and I do not believe that we take this. The writer to the letter in Hebrew, the, the, the writer to the Hebrew Christians in the letter to the Hebrews, called Hebrews. Let me get this out straight. Yeah. <laughs> in the great faith chapter, says this. He says... There are two elements of faith. One, that you know that God has to exist, and that the second part is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mm. So here, when we are presented at the judgment seat of Christ, because the teachers who I had will be there when I'm presented, I'm going to have to give an account for my life to him. I don't know how that makes you feel to be looking at your Lord and Savior (laughs) And you're going to give an account for every moment you've known him. Yeah. Okay? Now, here's trembling. the... Trembling. <laughs> Much <Yeah>. trembling. <laughs> now, catch this. Can we skip that part? <laughs> catch this. It's either going to be good or bad. Now, here's what I... I guys, this is honestly good and the truth. Paul said this to, to, to the Corinth. You guys, going back to 1 Corinthians 3, our problem in the United States, our problem in the West, we have placed our faith on men, I believe. We get puffy at one another, Mm -hmm. and we are so distracted. Paul says this, everything is permissible, but not everything beneficial. 
everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. We waste our time a lot on things that don't matter. So I would suggest to people, and I'm suggesting to everyone that I get a chance to talk to, focus on what matters. And you know what matters? His being accountable to him and finding out what pleases him and doing the things that please him so that on that day, that reward or that judgment goes to the positive side, not the negative side. Right. Because Paul said this very clearly. He said, in all this ramblings about putting your faith on men, I'm of a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of John, Wesley, I'm of John, Piper, I'm of this John, whatever. He says this, he says, every man's work will be tested. And on that day, capital D, we're talking, that's the day, will be tested as though going through fire. And you, if you have built it on wood, hay, mm. stones, what, precious gold, whatever, that day will, will bring it to light. It will be tested as going through fire. Now catch this. We don't go through the fire of eternal judgment, but we go, we'll go through that purifying fire. Now here's what blows my mind. Don't care what your theology is. Don't care. Reformed, Armenian, don't care. You can enter heaven suffering loss. It could get burned up. Yeah. I don't want that. He says it will be you will be saved. And this is why I believe you're eternally saved. But it will be as one going through the fire. Ouch. Oh yeah. Ouch. You can almost watch. I and I, I've pictured it like that. Like you've built your mansion, your palace. Yeah. And you go through the fire and you literally just watch it all burn away. And exactly. it's just like it All was, my life is wasted, Jesus. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so if we know the essence of our faith, and without faith we can't please him, so we know the essence of our faith is that, one, God exists, and number two is that uh, uh, he rewards those who earn. This whole idea of reward uh, is is more intricate than what I think we, we make. Um, how can I put this? Because I wouldn't, I don't have this written down. I always have things written down because it's like a leash for on a dog. But it doesn't let yep. me go too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, put it this way: that um, I need to, I need to find out what those rewards are, because in that reward is the criteria for what pleases Him. And so I think that if you can look uh, in the scriptures, you find five different types of rewards. Uh, and I'm not going to give you all of them. Crown of uh, it's the it, they call them crown. There actually is the word is the Greek word for laureate. You know when a Greek guy would run a race and at the end of the race he would get that little wreath around his the head. Olive, That's what yeah. he's talking about. Uh, there are five of those, and the way that I put it very simply for folks is number one is your character, that that inward work of your character. You're going to get rewarded. It's called the the crown of incorrupt uh, corruptibility or incorruptibility. Ability. You keep your soul from being corrupted from the world and the sin, and you learn to fight the sin. There's only one way to fight sin, Galatians 5. This is the works of the flesh. This is the works of the Spirit. If you walk according to the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The flesh is always there. We're, we're that really weird creature that both the Holy Spirit possesses us, but at the same time, we still got that old man, that flesh that comes up and wants us to do things we're not supposed to do. Okay, but but if we keep if, if that's why Paul was constantly saying, I beat my body. It's your eyes, your members. Uh, Romans six seven. You know he says um, uh, if you whatever you present your members to, you'll become you will become uh, subject to. Mm. So 
So you present yourself to Christ, don't present yourself to the world. The next thing is, is though, it's an outward it's an outward purity or holiness, if we want to say that, say it that way. But we we, we resist the evil in the culture, guys. We fight abortion. Mm-hmm. We resist the LBGTQ whatever. You know, I got in trouble at Coken because I had some people that were PDA in, and I've stopped hom- uh, heterosexuals, but I also stop homosexuals from having PDA in my shop. Yeah, I got in all kinds of trouble. You wouldn't believe what happened. So anyway, I, wow. that's another story for oh, another no. episode, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Love to hear it, by the yeah. way. <laughs> put, yeah. put a note in that. Yeah. We're, we're going to write yeah. that down. But catch this. Now, catch this. The next one, though, and, and guys, here we go again. What is our theology doing? Because the next one is the crown of joy. Some people, well, it's, well, it's about joy. We receive joy. It's never, it is about joy, but the Holy Spirit already gives us joy. The crown of joy is the people who we bring to Christ. Mm. Guys, there is the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teachers. This is one of the greatest concerns I have for the body of Christ. Not that you speak in tongues. I don't even care if you speak in tongues. But I do care that if your life is not bringing people to Jesus, I'm concerned. Mm. Because you're going to give an account for it. Who'd you brought? Who'd you tell, who'd you tell about me? Guys, you know why I've always struggled in the local church? Because we've, we've eliminated apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Well, we don't say there's apostles anymore. Don't even know what happened to a prophet unless you're a hyper-Pentecostal. And, but what happened to the evangelist? Now, catch this. You know who you're looking at? I always struggled in the local church because I always thought, oh, Pastor Gary, Pastor, Pastor Brett, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. I'm not a pastor. Yeah. I'm an evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> Why do people come to Christ around me? Because he's gifted me that way. And yeah, I had to work. I'm afraid. I have apprehension. Paul said this. Paul said, he said, I pray for three things when I go into a new place. Number one, I pray for boldness. Because why? Because he was scared. (laughs) He said, next thing, I pray for an open door. I look for open doors. And third, that I may speak the message clearly. So, so evangelism is an essential part that you and I will be held accountable for. Mm. Guys, listen to me very carefully. And if you're listening, you got to share Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. He died on the cross for people because he loves them. Mm. Oh, well, he loves some, he loved them. I reject that from the get-go because the psalm's very clear. He loves everything that he has made. He, and, and you know the whole thing about John, he only draws up. Well, that's preceded by John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his own. The, whoever should believe it, that should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, how do people go to hell? Well, just keep reading to John 3, 17. Somehow he presents it somewhere, and they love the darkness more than they love the light, and they choose the darkness, and they stay in the darkness. I can't help that. But at least I was able to give them. So well, what about the guy on the island? I was that guy on the island. Remember that story? There was hardly anybody there. There was only 1,400 men. There were four believers. But Lord made himself known to me. Mm. There's no, that's a false story because I was the guy on the island. The fourth one, the fourth one is, is, is the crown of shepherding. And that's the way I like to put it. We take care of one another. You know how we get, you know, that, it's a trick of the adversary to get us to be puffy with one another and to treat each other like crap. Can I say that word? You can. You can. <laughs> can I say that in the pulpit? It's crap when we treat each other like crap. Oh, what, is, what does Paul use? Dung, refuse, dung, yeah. dung. menstrual rags. Dung. Yeah. And then the last one is, this is what really blows my mind. The last one is, uh, and I can't remember what it was called, but I call it, the 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 reward for waiting 
we have got to be in a position where we're, we're anxiously anticipating the return of Jesus. We've got to be looking. It's an amazing thing, right after Matthew 24, right at the end of Matthew 24, he tells us of all the great signs, and that's where we all hook. Oh, look for the signs of his return. But then he goes in to four parables back-to-back, Matthew, back-to-back, because Jesus must have shared these back-to-back. One is the, the wise and unwise servant. And what does the unwise servant say? Oh, my master's not coming. Do you know why there are so many pastors treating people like crap around our country? Mm. I served with some of them. And you hear a pastor falling all the time, not out of sin, not out of the sins of sex or, or drugs or stealing, even though that may be happening. Right. And this, I heard this, guys. We need to de-emphasize the return of Christ because it's been sensationalized and whatever. And the wicked servant in that story says, "Oh, my master's not coming back." And so what happens? He starts treating other people or believers who is he supposed to be serving like, he starts to beat on them. But the wise servant's just doing what he was supposed to do. He's taking care of those sh- of those sheep. You know, a wicked servant says, "My master's not coming back," or he's delayed. Ain't no delaying about this coming back, guys. Then the next thing he shares is what about the ten virgins? Five were ready, five were not. Be ready. Get ready. What's he going to reward? You're standing in judgment. The next one is what. The parable of the talents. Some had one had five, one had three, one had one. Who got jacked up on that one? <laughs> one who had one, had because one. why? He was afraid. Buried it. Buried it. You guys know all these stories. And then the last one is what? He separates the sheep from the goats. Mm-hmm. Whatever you did to the least of them, you did to me. This this incredible theological understanding of his presence with all of humanity. And whatever we do to people, and this is this is not just your brother, because the um, the parable the parable of the what good Samaritan shares that with us. Your very enemy you're supposed to treat. Matter of fact, Jesus says this in in um, the Sermon on the Mount: "Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be complete as your heavenly Father is complete." He says that in the context of loving your enemy. That's when you're reaching that com- completion. Mm. Um, Guys, we're supposed to love folks, even the ones who hate us. Yeah. That's it. So, so, and whatever we do to them, we do to him. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, catch this. I, I, and Anybody listening to this, and, and you guys, I apologize already for my life because you'll see it. Mm. I apologize for it because you'll see every stinking stupid thing I've done. But I hope you see what I also have done for him. Now, here's the thing. That could be positive or negative. And whatever, whatever your theology is, I hope you understand that that is not set yet, and he's left it into our hands to determine what happens there. That's the issue. Are you going to do what he requires of you? Mm-hmm. If you're not, you're going to be in trouble. Oh, because, well, God's sovereign, and I don't have to do anything. I had this guy sit in my backyard. I don't have to do, I don't have to share Christ. God's got everything. He's got everybody chosen. I got everybody picked. I'm going, dude, he's going to fire your rear up. <laughs> yeah. you, people do not understand that. You do not mess with him. He, oh, he's, he's your sovereign God. You better not mess with him. 
Because he, you listen to what he does to the wicked servant. And I don't know what that means. I personally, guys, am not an Arminist or Reformer. I don't believe you can lose your salvation because of the, because of the covenant that entered, I entered into him, and he's the one who fulfills it and keeps it for me. That's been proven all the way through the scriptures. I don't refer, I don't, and I also don't react from all this information that I'm learning from the scriptures about what it, out, out of fear. These are from promises. And for my promises, I'm not, it's not a legalistic ladder that I'm trying to climb. I'm really trying to earnestly seek him so that I may receive what he, he wants to give me. Now, here's the thing. You go through the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, if you stand up in front and, you know, and you're looking good in front of everybody and you're preaching really good. And, you, and he goes, you know what? You'll lose your, you'll lose your reward. The count mm-hmm. how many times you go through there. You'll lose your reward. You'll yeah. lose your. He's telling us, you'll lose your reward. And this is why he says, do not seek earthly riches. Seek those riches that are what? Mm. There. Here's the thing. I don't care how much money you make. You could be totally poor, but go out and share Jesus. You're going to be wealthy guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, the ambition, and I, I have a Bible study every Friday morning with the Floyd County District Attorney, and I have a very successful dentist. I have a uh, prudential uh, regional director and all these other. And I said, you guys are all ambitious, but everything you're doing down here don't mean nothing. Yeah. Don't mean nothing. Yeah. But are you are you ambitious for that? Seek the kingdom first, and look for that. We have a very short time. The Bible is very clear. Psalm ninety ten. Our our life will be over seventy to eighty years. Seventy years is normal. Eighty years if you have a strong life. But he says it's going to be over quickly. James says this: you're a vapor and you're going to fly away. What we have here is very short. Guys, I can't believe I'm 66 years old. I cannot believe that. Men in my family don't last probably beyond 75 years. So, guys, I probably have just about nine years left. So, here's and I'm not saying that, oh, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply saying we're a vapor. Yeah. But everything I do here counts for there. Mm. And that never ends. Never. Yeah. So, what are we doing? We're treating each other like trash over theology that doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it does matter. No, no, it doesn't. Here's the gospel. God created everything. We blew it. They did, those two. I'll yeah. meet them. We'll meet them. We're going to have a, t- we're gonna have a sit down. <laughs> Strong conversation. We're going to have a long... Girl, what were you thinking? <laughs> After the, the one millionth person... I know! <laughs> I yeah, know. No. Just, gonna think, just like, come on. Yes. Let me have it. Let me have it. Can I vent on you? <laughs> but, but then... The whole test, the whole, the whole old covenant was just revealing who God was in a in a very in a very um, I don't want to say evolutionary way, but in a in a time after time he was revealing, re-revealing himself. And then that little girl became a mother, a, a virgin birth, and and this incredible person was born. Uh, and I was sharing this, I was just speaking down in Texas about two weeks ago. I shared this. I said, well, what makes G- what makes the cross and the resurrection so unique with Jesus? Because there were lots of crucifixions. And there were, there were lots of crucifixions after him. Yeah. And there was even a resurrection. But, it, but none of those crucifixions or resurrections did anything for us. What made Jesus' effective for us that would be able to set our path 
on a heavenly realm, in a heavenly realm, and transform us while we're here. Use the word sanctification and guarantee our salvation. What was different? This is 1 John chapter 4. It, it is the litmus test. You know, people go, test the spirits. And they go, and they use all kinds, and they just use their narrative. They just use their, do- well, and if you're not in my doctrine, you're a heretic. You're an Armenian, you're a heretic. You're a Calvinist, you're a heretic. That's not what it is. It says, if you do not believe that God, Jesus the Messiah, says Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah came in the flesh. If you don't believe that God was 100% God, I mean, God in that man, Jesus, was 100% God and 100% man, then you're of the spirit of the Antichrist. And you can think of all kinds of people that don't believe that. Mm-hmm. It's not God in a bod. It's 100% God, 100% man. And he became that man for, for several reasons, but the most is that to show us who God is, to show us who we are, and so that that flesh could be crucified. Mm. So that he could turn around through the power of the Holy Spirit and raise it from the dead to show us that if we trust him, when we're in that position, he will do the same for us. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. He was totally different. But here's the, here's the other part. He did that so that we could be filled on the day of Pentecost because part of the gospel was what happened to Adam and Eve when they blew it? Because everybody says, oh, the fall is where evil came from. The fall it was the result of what happened. Where does evil come from? It's our, and I say this, it is our capacity from being created in his image to have that, people go, God's sovereign. Well, we have a sovereignty too, an under-sovereign, because Adam and Eve were sovereign over the garden. They were to manage it and take care of it, and we will do that one day later also. But what happened when they were tempted, and the beautiful thing about what's going to be different for us is the tempter will be gone, but we still have a capacity to choose the wrong way. And you guys know that because even as believers... We still do it. We still do it. it. We still do it. We have that capacity, and that's where evil comes from. We have that capacity to choose the wrong thing. And so that's where evil comes from. And And so, but what happens to that? And it still happens to us. The Holy Spirit exited, and they were an empty shell, and all of a sudden, fear, anxiety, whatever, all, the, all that thing, they hid from God. Now, I know the word total, total depravity is usually used here. I believe that God first has to approach us to wake us up, but it's just like, hey, it's like, hey, I meet you the first time. Hey, you know, he has to come, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, you know, comes over and hits you, hey, wake up, you know, but, but, but the thing of it is, is that on the day of Pentecost, now through the cross and the resurrection, the Holy Spirit could re-enter and dwell within the temple of his rightful place. And because I think it's a wonderful thing, I think we get so hung up, and, and it has been abused, this whole idea of the infilling of the Spirit. But it was one of the main reasons for the cross and the resurrection, so that we, the Holy Spirit could reinstitute himself inside of us and live within us. Now, catch this, because you know what? Because God knows where we're going. <laughs> and now the Holy Spirit 
And this is the way Peter puts it in First Second uh, Peter chapter one. He said, "We begin everything for godliness. We've been given all the power we need. We begin everything because mm-hmm. He's helped us escape the corruption by evil desires in the world." He says, "Now you can participate in the Holy Spirit." And what's the Holy Spirit doing now? It talks about there's those goodness add to goodness, faith, and no, your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and knowledge, self control, and to self control, perseverance. It goes on to this list, and then it goes up to mutual affection, and then to add to mutual affection, love. So, so now we're looking at. Peter saying, he says, if you'll do these things, guess what? It's another lesson for Peter, from Peter telling us, oh, because that will ensure you a full and full entry with a rich reward in heaven. Mm-hmm. Wow. Peter was concerned, because catch this about Peter's letter. Second Peter chapter 1, 2, and 3, Peter knew he was about to be martyred. And he wanted to leave them three things. There's three ideas in First, Second Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. There's, in those three chapters, there are three ideas. The first idea was this, hey, I want you, when you're standing before him, that you will receive a rich welcome in heaven and not be like what Paul says, going through the fire and suffering loss. And he gives us a little, little recipe there. <laughs> To our faith, add goodness. Go do good things. To, to you know, so it, it aligns. Peter and Paul are constantly aligning their teachings. They said things a little bit different. Pete, Paul would call it walking in the spirit, but Peter said participating in the spirit because the spirit is now the presence of God, and, and the presence of God on this planet is always controversial. Mm-hmm. That's why we argue about him. Oh, we don't do this. I don't care if you speak in tongues. For what I understand about that, I'd rather prefer it as workings, effects, and gifts. And he works around us and he calls he affects things that are around us and for his ministry and then the third thing he gives us gifts to do those if you believe in those gifts i don't really care all all i know is is that you're trying to tell me that god doesn't heal people let me share this with you you need to talk to my wife now here's what the beautiful thing is he does it through some people this is what the issue is he does it with some people and some people he doesn't and i don't know why you talked about my wife, her her personality gifts, she's a mercy person and a and a and a and a and a she's a mercy and she's an encourager. So she's really kind and mushy and you know what I mean? <laughs> she's really sweet. But guys, she's a pediatrics nurse up on mm. the fifth floor at the hospital. You would not believe the story she's come home with. Oh yeah. Guys, and, and and I promise you, she's even laid hands. She asked people, Can I lay hands and pray for you? people are healed. Yeah. Say whatever you want to say. But I, I can verify that with you because the family of that little 12-year-old girl from Lexington who had never had seizures, which is a biblical thing, mm-hmm. they brought her in, and she was. the parents were going nuts. My wife goes, are you guys believers? And the parents go, oh, yeah. Can I pray for your daughter? And they go, oh, yeah, please. And my wife laid hands on her. And my wife is also one of those people that injects that dye before they take her down to the MRI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on her way, after she got her ready to take the dye, they took her right across the hallway in that elevator. Her seizures stopped, and they've never come back. Mm. The parents were so impacted, they wrote a letter to the CEO of Norton's Hospital thanking them for nurses that would take the time to ask God to do something mm. for their children. Now, Man, and that should be an everyday occurrence it all day long. Yeah. Now, now catch this, guys. And, 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 and 
and the, the letter to Corinth says this, the, the Spirit determines where that happens. It's not me. When some, a Pentecostal tells me, oh, I speak in tongues, I go, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, if the Holy Spirit chooses to use you for that particular reason at that particular time, fine. Maybe. But you know what? He doesn't, nobody gets healed when I pray for him. Nobody does. I mean, but you go, my wife, it happens all the time. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. So it's his choice. So I go back to say this again. Guys, we have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit. Now, the mm-hmm. Spirit never neglects this book. Like when you say the Scriptures. The Scriptures are, oh, gosh, guys, they're a mirror, and they're a light to our feet. And the Holy Spirit will use this book to guide us and to make sure of the voices that we're hearing is Him. Right. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. You never get rid of this book. I have a very high view, but I never neglect the fact. And this is an expression I was going to say a while ago, a biblical deist. Oh, he wrote the book and God took off and now we've just got to figure it out. Mm. Uh-uh. The author, the book should never overshadow the author. The book is used, is used in tandem with the author to make sure we're hearing the author. And then this was why Paul says the kingdom in Corinth, again, to these same people who had placed their faith on men, the kingdom is not about talk, but it's about power. And you should see the workings and effects and gifts of the Holy Spirit around us. That's where I am. That's where I think we've gone. And Pentecostals, oh, you lose your salvation. Well... I don't think so. I feel sorry for you. And the thing of it is, is I'm not worried about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because why? His covenant and that blood, totally, totally, totally worth it. But then, is grace resisted? Oh, yeah. And so here we go on these scenarios that my colleague is, what happened to the, what happened to the, the, the Galatians? They were bewitched. He said, you were running such a good race. You were bewitched. What happened to the... Christians in Hebrew. One Calvinist said, oh, I don't know. They were some funky kind of Christian. I'm not sure what they were doing because of the big controversy, Hebrews 6. Right. And I said, no, man. The, the illustration is, is that they were just kind of like a boat that got untied and they just slowly drifted away. Drifting. Now, catch this, guys. How many times you know people, oh, they just kind of drifted away. And that's what happens to believers sometimes. Do I believe they lost their salvation? No. But do I think they'll fare well at the judgment seat? No. They're not going to fare well. They're not. You know what I love about Ephesians? Ephesians 1, the big Calvinistic, oh, I'm chosen, predestined, before the foundation of the world, went on and on and on. And then 30 years later, in the book of Revelations, the church at Ephesus, uh, 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 you're so good about keeping that doctrinal purity, but uh, you left your first love. <laughs> yeah. The same church he wrote Ephesians 1 to has now left Jesus. Yeah. Tell me grace is not resisted. Hmm. Jesus says this, if you do not turn back and remember what you did at first, he says, I'll remove my lampstand. And what is that? That is simply removing the Holy Spirit. That's the the lampstand always represented, the light lampstand. And he said, you're not going to quit organizing. You're not going to quit meeting. I'm not going to bust up your meetings. I'm just not going to be there. And how many churches have you heard, oh, that's a dead church? Because the Spirit's not present because somewhere in their life they have blown it in the sense of, not in the sense of, like, they have just kind of, whatever, been bewitched, drifted away, whatever you want to say. They have left their first love. 
Well, we we I've used this illustration numerous times on the show. We talk about this idea of perseverance of the saints, or one saved, always saved, however you want to label it. And, and you look at these music artists, the, yeah. the the Kevin Max from DC Talk, the guy from Hawk Nelson, yeah. Joshua Harris, yeah, who have have come out and said, yeah, we don't believe that anymore. So, you know, hypothetically speaking, I say, well, they were never saved to begin with. Gary says, well, yeah, they were. They just lost it. It doesn't matter. What yeah. what are we supposed to do? Yeah, bring them back. It doesn't right. matter where we think this problem originated. They're astray. They're that boat That's that is right. that has been wafting in the in the ocean and gone astray. Our job, whether we come from one bend or the other bend, is to get them back to the truth. Yeah, and, and it's the not, truth of the gospel. And the Josh Harris is that's called to hate him. I'm not called to do anything. And we can use First John four. Oh, that's what John says. Oh, if they were not, but he says that in context to the Gnostics, they were never a part of us because those those letters of John were written to the Gnostics. And he said they come in and kind of looked like us, but then ah, they left us. They were never part of us in the first place. But but the thing of it is, if even if they were believers or whatever, we can't throw a blanket because I can't say say that all believers who walk away were bewitched. They just might have just got bored and just kind of drifted away, got kind of untied somehow. But do I believe they've lost their salvation? I don't believe it. Because because why? Because it's not the perseverance of me, because of the faithfulness of our God. Right. That's it. But here's the thing. We've always had it on a two-tier level, because even when I first asked you guys, heaven or hell? Well, even hell, you know, these pedophiles, he says, if you cause one of those little ones to sin, mm. he said, it would be better. This is a step up, guys. <laughs> yeah. It would be better if you had a millstone turn around your neck and throw it in the deepest part of the ocean. That's a step up for what I'm going to do to you. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's a level of punishment. That, But then, heaven... Guys, we have a reward that we can lose. And I don't know what that looks like. At least it won't be in the lake of fire. Right. That's a, Better than the alternative plus. still. That's yeah. Plus. Right. But, but you can lose. Yeah. Well, in the, the way that I, I believe it speaks of, of you are greater or lesser in heaven. You know, yeah. it talks about how John the Baptist on earth, those who are the least in heaven are greater than he is. Yeah. So it's like either way, yeah, sure, it's awesome, but... Don't you want to be higher? Yeah, and that's the essence of our faith, that he exists and we and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Yeah. Because that will that will keep us attached somewhere down the line. The church has forgot the importance. And you start looking through it. When you start seeing this, you start seeing how many times Jesus and the writers of the New Testament were talking about this reward. Oh, yeah. Paul says, man, I'm not running aimlessly. I'm not beating the air because I think so much of our discipleship is just that, running aimlessly and beating the air. It feels like it sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I taught discipleship. They wanted me to run the discipleship program at Southern Seminary. I didn't want to go to the seminary. I love boys. didn't want to be over there. But but you know what? Back then, I, I... I didn't know really what I didn't I hadn't honed the Lord hadn't honed what this idea of what it means to follow him. And I think it goes back to the criteria of the prize. I want to run the race to win the prize. So I don't care about money here. I don't pursue money. I don't pursue, you know, the four fleas in the New Testament. Flea adultery, uh, uh, flea, flea sexual immorality, see I flea idolatry. Flee youthful lust and then flee from the love of money. Mm. You flee from those things so they don't hinder you from winning those prizes because it's just wrap you up and trip you up and keep you from getting what you're supposed to get. <laughs> yeah, so I, th- this has been awesome. I, thank you so much. And, and f- for this conversation of 
you know, talking theology. Like we are all of the same mindset of the great commission comes first. What is our job? Our job is to obey. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we are called by the son of God, Christ to go into the world, baptizing, spreading his name and kind of a shot back to what we were talking about earlier about these people within church that get so into the mindset of, Oh, well just, you come with me to church and let my pastor disciple you. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, mm-hmm. your job is to disciple them, make them a Christian, and then bring them to church. Yeah. And so I, I hate labels. We've talked about that before. And it's like, I've been called a Calvinist, and at, and at some point I'm like, you know what, you can call me whatever you want. I believe scripture. I, I agree with Calvin on a lot of things. And I'm like, I am going to win people for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I have the theology, Brad and I do, of I believe I'm called to go out into the world to find my brothers and sisters. So I'm going to go do that. And But it all comes back to the end of, no, just go to everybody. Yeah, Go to everybody. It yeah. doesn't matter if you think they're called or not. It's like, no, you just go to everybody. Yeah, you know, the it, it will hinder you if you think, think you can't walk into a room and preach Christ died for all of you. That will hinder you. We talked about that, I think. Was it you and I that mentioned that? Because uh, Randy Smith, yeah. another professor over at Boyce, yeah. said something that has stuck with me to this day, where he talked about that particular spot, limited atonement, yeah. specifically because we were talking about the five points in that particular class, because he was kind of like, all right, fine, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And, and uh, he did say, he said, I have a really hard time if a little Muslim girl comes up to me and says, did Jesus die for my sin? If I follow limited atonement, to its logical conclusion, I have to say, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I have a hard time with that. And that has stuck yeah. with me for years. Yeah. And, and, and exactly what you just said. It's, you have to be able to go to a, a room and say, Christ died for you. you. And we yeah. were talking about that. And so I, I am on the side of limited atonement. Right. But I'm like, I'm, I am fully, fully comfortable going to someone and someone asks me that. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Because I, I, I believe if you're asking the question, yes. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and just to be truthful, guys, that's so far beyond us. That's Absolutely. the workings of the deeper spirit yeah. in a person. Because I guarantee you that no person in my high school would ever have thought that I would have been a believer. Oh. None. Mm. And nobody, I can remember no one in my elementary school or high school. Well, I do, I do remember in junior high, a couple of neighbors wanted me to go to their Free Will Baptist Church. And I did go for a while. But I got thrown out because I kissed a little girl on the back steps. And the, women, the women's auxiliary, oh, no. the women's auxiliary saw me. And I kissed her on the cheek, and they said, "Get him out of here." And also, I had long hair, and they didn't like long. Yeah, hair. hippie. Yeah, that was back in the hippie days, sixty nine, sixty eight. But uh, but 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 the truth is, is guys, I can walk anywhere and tell people that they died, that Jesus Christ died for them. And so we can go back and forth on with it. But here's the honest concern: nobody knows the workings of the Spirit in a man's heart and mind. And you have no clue about who is and who isn't. Yeah. You have no clue. None. Yeah. And so it would be best. And besides that, you're going to be responsible for telling people. Yeah. Whether they receive it or not. Yeah. You're right. going to be held you, accountable. Yeah. That's the issue. Right. And I say this, the, the sons of God, are, which means the mature people, are led by the Spirit. The Spirit is... And if you, if you hone it, Jesus said, my, my sheep will hear my voice. When you feel that impression to speak, I, I highly recommend you to speak. Man, I, we, I told this story to Austin maybe at some point on this podcast <laughs> where I ignored that. 
Yeah. And, and and I vividly remember ignoring it. And and it was at my place of employment at the time. I had a guy come in. He was a customer trying to get some stuff for his house. And he shared with the person at the counter. He wasn't talking to me. I was sitting at my desk working, yeah. doing whatever. And he's talking to the person at the desk and saying he just got diagnosed with cancer. And there was a very clear, man, go ask if you can pray for him. Yeah. And what did my goofy, flesh-driven self in that moment do? Sat right there and kept typing whatever email I was typing. Mm, yeah. and, and just tried to put it out. And I've prayed, obviously I've prayed for him since, but I'd still think about that. Yeah. Of that, of like, yeah. man, I, I blew that moment. And I, I disobeyed. Yeah. I disobeyed. Let me, and, I, and I'll finish with this because I know we're limited on time and what you guys could use, but uh, share two st- quick stories. One was a lady, I was right out of seminary. I was part of United Methodist Church. I was associate pastor in charge of youth and missions, and, and, a, guy, and a woman came up. She, Lily, she's a sweet lady. Anyway, she's single. She, goes, she came up to the church that morning at 10 o'clock. Gary, my father is dying. Could you come up to the hospital? And I said, sure. Went up there. He's unconscious. So I laid my hands on him. And I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, could you just bring him to consciousness so that I can maybe speak and, and tell him about you? And nothing happened. I went back to the office. Uh, and I said, Lord, you know, this is your will. Do what you need to do here. Mm-hmm. Heal him. If not, whatever. So I don't even remember what all I said. But I went back to the office about 4 o'clock that afternoon. She gave me a call. She goes, Gary. Now, this is before cell phone because the landline on the t- desk. She says, Gary, she goes, get down here. My dad's awake. And I drove right down there. And I shared Jesus with him. And he became a believer. Mm. After that, we celebrated. I uh, spent about another 30 minutes with him. Went home, had dinner. He died. Mm. Now, I got to do his funeral. They asked me to do his funeral. It yeah. was revival. Oh, wow. Revival happened. Matter of fact, I got to share with his family, who had worried so much about their grandfather, that he is now standing before the throne. And catch this about this reward stuff coming. Remember the parable about, oh, you've been working in the vineyard all day, and the guy who just came in at the end of the day, and they get the same same reward? reward. Yep. Boom. Yep. Boom. Doesn't have have anything to do with when you you enter. Just make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's right. Now, catch this. Yep. Catch this. My aunt, um, all my family are gone now. All my well, my patriarchs and matriarchs, uh, and I had many of them. Uh, aunt Carol May comes up, and my Uncle Jack um, was a Pearl Harbor survivor, was there the day Japan bombed. Yeah. Uh, he was in, he was on Hickam, Hickam Base. He was in the Air, Air Corps, and he was in the the chow hall eating breakfast when they started bombing and about mm. he just barely escaped. But anyway, she came up to me at a family reunion and she, I had been in ministry for a while and she comes up and she goes, and, and the Lord was sweeping through my family, but some people were resistant. One, Jack, my uncle Jack and my father, my father, all of my family had become believers except my dad. And, and she came up to me and she goes, Gary, I'm, you're going to have, you're going to have to lead Jack to the Lord. And I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> she put something on me, and 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 I didn't think anything else about it. About two years later, I'm a pastor, mis misplaced pastor, <laughs> as I said before, an evangelist. I I get a call from mom. Hey, Gary, get up to the hospital. 
Jack's had a prognosis. He's got to go through the surgery, but they don't know if he's going to make through the surgery. But if he does, he'll live forever. Blah, 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 blah. There's no telling when he could live. So I go up there, and here's all of Jack's brothers, my, my uncles and my aunts, and there's 15 people in this room. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and <coughs> there, there, this prognosis was there's part of his heart had died. And so the surgery was going to remove that inactive dead part. But if, if he, they did that, there's no telling how long. But if they didn't do that, he was probably going to be gone in a year. Mm. But the problem, the big risk was not so much leaving is the surgery. He only had like a 30% chance of going living through the surgery. So my family were, oh, Jack, you'll do it. You can make it. Come on, Jack. And the Lord impressed on me. And I said, you guys, you know what I'm about. I said, what if Jack don't make it? And I used the old EE thing, evangelism explosion. I said, do you know where you would be if you die tonight? And I went around and asked every one of my relatives, do you know? And looked at uh, my aunt, uh, Aunt uh, <clears throat> Betty. And I said, Betty, do you know? And she goes, yeah. And I said, looked at my Uncle Ray, and he goes, yeah. Looked at my cousin Barbara and said, Barbara, do you know? And she goes, no. And I looked at uh, Carol May sitting right next to Jack. I said, Carol May, do you know? She goes, yes, I know. I looked at Jack on the bed, and I said, Jack, do you know? And I can still see him just, he had that sheet, and he was sheepish under that sheet. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he goes, no. And there was my father. I said, Dad, do you know? And my dad says, no, I could still see him like this. He was just like this. He goes, no. I said, would you like to know? And my father received Christ, Jack received Christ, and Barbara received Christ right at that moment. Now, here's the, th here's the kicker. A week later, I went to uh, the same little Baptist church and watched my dad be baptized in the same baptistry that I was 17 years prior to that. Because we had prayed for my dad for 17 years. Oh, my goodness. And, and here's the other kicker. Jack didn't make it. Mm. He died in surgery. Jack met the Lord, then met the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> a, oh, a mere God. hours later. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the thing. I'm an evangelist. We're called to go out and tell people. I am not a pastor. You can argue about all this stuff you want, but I'm going to go tell people. Yeah. Coke and coffee exists not to make me rich because it ain't making me rich. Matter of fact, I don't even care. Guys, I don't even, I, I, anyway, I have a bookkeeper. She tells me what's happening, but I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. That place is good. We've connected 71 people to Jesus. And I say connected because I still believe that there are people that have slipped away, whatever, and I've reconnected them. Not me, but the Lord has used me in that shop. Things happen around that shop all the time. That shop exists to proclaim the name of Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and 71 people have been connected for the first time or reconnected because they have drifted away, wandered away, whatever you want to say. I don't care. They're reconnected now. That's all that I care about. Yeah. That's all we should care about. Whether we know what this or that, that's, I think that's a waste of time. Mm. You could feel it in your heart, but get after it because you and I, all three of us sitting here, we're going to be, we're going to be standing there guys. Now I'm going to be standing with you. I'm going to be standing with him because he was my student. Now I'm going to be standing with you. And, he, and Jesus is going, what would you tell him? Well, I told him to get after it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you don't get after it, that's on that's you, on buddy. Me. Not on me. Yeah. 
yep. not on me. Yep. And and I'm not doing that to save my own hide. I'm just doing that to say, I just want to be obedient and I want to I want to I want to have some nice stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be well, rich up there. If, well, he, yeah. if he's off for it, yeah. Take it. But it's part of our faith. It's yeah. it's the two driving it's one of the driving things of our faith. Because it, I think I think we've neglected this to so in and and emphasized all the things that we don't have any control over. To 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 overshadow what we do have control over, and we have control over how obedient I am, and I don't care what you say. We're called to go, go and make disciples, yeah. and yeah. that's the first spot is bringing them to Him. Yeah, well in. The thought process of, okay, we know what our job is. We need to be doing it. But then what is the point of doctrine and theology? And and being able to sit down and, as we've said, this conversation with election predestination, that is the gristle of the meat. Mm -hmm. That is stuff that you don't swallow. You just chew on it forever. Yeah. And, and the 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 people that we've talked about it if they look at you and say oh yeah i completely understand it i'm like you you best be careful yeah <laughs> um so is there any point to be discussing in these deeper theological contexts even though yeah we know our job we know we're supposed to be going into the world proclaiming christ but to be able to have these conversations with our our brothers in christ where we can say okay i'm reading through scripture and i'm reading this and then the other says, uh, I don't think it means that. And it's like, right. well, okay, show me. And our, our, our motto here is our minds are open to scripture. Mm-hmm. If you can show us in scripture, I'm, I'm all for it. But if you can't convince me, I, I, I'm going to stick with what I'm understanding here. You bet. Well, I think it has to do with your faith again. Where's my faith? Because you can place your faith anywhere you want it. You can place your faith on that chair, this, tr- this uh, table. You can place your faith on a man, even as a believer, because I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I asked this one. Calvinist got mad at me because I was saying something about how um, together for the gospel is just a Trojan horse because it's really about five-point Calvinism. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? But so is if you guys remember the old um, full gospel, uh, it's it's an old Pentecostal organization. It used to be around in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And when I heard, wow, full gospel, wow, what am I? Am I a half gospel? Right, right. <laughs> Am I a quarter gospel? Yeah. And all they were, it was, it was a Trojan horse. It was about tongues. They just yeah, wanted right. you to speak in tongues. Yep. Oh, it was a Trojan horse. They were pushing their agenda. This again, Paul goes back when, when we get into these discussions about which men we're following. He says, it's not about talk. We want to talk. It's not about talk. It's about power. I know that they say up across the river, it's about talk. That's a direct contradiction to scripture. Paul says, I want to see your power. I'm looking for people who have power. And when he's talking about power, what does that mean? The workings and effects of the Holy Spirit affecting the world around them. Are people coming to Christ through you? Whoa, are things happening that proclaim and and enlarge, you're an instrument that enlarges the kingdom. Is this just a bunch of talk or are people's lives being changed through it? Because we can sit here and talk all day, but Jesus is looking for power. Mm. And, 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 and you can be liked or you can be unplugged. And so my thing is, let's talk about the workings of the Holy Spirit. How do I, how do, how do I not quench the Spirit in my life by placing my faith on men, being puffed up at other men, at each other, 
Because the way we treat each other, guys, directly affects the presence of the Spirit with us. And I've quenched the Holy Spirit in my life many times. Uh, sexual Im- Im- immorality, drunkenness. Uh, I love this new thing about freedom. I'm free! <laughs> so, but all I hear about them is that they smoke cigars and they drink uh, bourbon and they're free. Well, all things are permissible, but is that beneficial? Mm. No, I don't care if you smoke a cigar. I, smoking tobacco is not a sin. But it, does it? Is that what you're about? Oh well, I'm a I'm a reform guy because Spurgeon took a you know a shot of bourbon before he went into the pulpit because he's so scared. Now I'm going to do it even when I'm not afraid. You know. <laughs> Is that a thing, by the way? I, I didn't know that. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. He really yeah? did. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I like Spurgeon now more. So, so <laughs> <laughs> and so, here's the thing. I don't have anything against alcohol. I have a drink. I don't care. Just don't get drunk. Because yeah. the scriptures are very clear right. about that. But the problem is, guys, I was, I was at that young, hip, and reformed church as an elder for eight years. A lot of them began to have trouble. Right. Oh, wait a minute. They they believe just like you did, but they didn't have. What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Weren't they the chosen? How does the chosen slip into drunkenness? And you know this. How many professors did I have fall over at, over at Southern Seminary? Mm. Wait a minute. They're all chosen. And they fell just like the Ephesians. Oh, they were chosen. Oh, but you've left your first love. Return or I'm going to remove my lampstand. So what's going on here? This is much deeper than just a box of five points of something that I believe and you don't believe. This is about are we listening to God, being obedient to God, and following His Spirit because the mature follow the Spirit. The sons of God follow the Spirit that aligns with this book Mm. called the Holy Scriptures. He's holding a Bible in his hand in case you guys That's are right. wondering. <laughs> I'm saying this. I'm saying this. Yes, yes. This page is turning. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit will lead you to this, but this should lead you to the Holy Spirit. It, if, when it doesn't, that's Phariseeism. That's what they did. They, they held the Word, but they didn't even... Jesus, God was right in front of them, and they didn't even see Him. Yeah. Holy cow, guys. Yeah. I don't want to be like that. Oh, man. Nope. Don't want to be like that. So, you know... You set up your ministry. I don't care what you guys are doing in your day, day, day to day, but your day to day is ministry is not church. You are ministry. And wherever you go, you're in ministry. And people don't realize that. I, I'm going to go to church. I'm in ministry. That's what I do. I go to church. I don't smoke, drink, cuss or chew, and I don't date the girls who do. All those kind of silly scenarios that we think what it means to please him. But I think I, I go back, hey, I'm, I'm going to be judged. I want it to go good. Could go good, could go bad, because judgment goes either way. Uh, and the rewards discern for me or illuminate to me the criteria of that moment when I stand before him. Yeah, I have another story about that sometimes, but I'll share it with you because I'm, I was almost thrown in prison for three years. And oh, I, wow. And, and I'd love to share with you, but I don't have time yeah. about judgment. But judgment is a, is a very functional thing in our life. We need to understand we're all going to be judged. So is he going to judge you as a Calvinist or an Arminius? Yeah. Neither. Yeah. Neither. A f- an obedient follower of Christ who allowed the Holy Spirit to lead them until that moment when they stand before him. Yeah. That's what we'd, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit to that moment 
and partake of the Spirit in that time so that He'll transform me and I will be obedient to what He's told me to do. And that's it. I'm Amen. done. No more to say. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, and, and thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. And, and this is it. This is the conversation. There, there are things we're talking about that we don't agree, and that's fine. We're not going to sit here and argue over it, but this is the point. How can we have a conversation as brothers and sisters in Christ and still walk away and still be able to hold a conversation? <laughs> You're right. And, you know, I'm going to say what I feel like I'm going to be held accountable for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to go tell people that they're chosen or unchosen? I don't care. You're going to be held accountable for that. Yep. But I believe I will be held accountable for not telling people. Holy Mac. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you again. This was incredible. It was a great conversation. I have a lot of content here, and we'll only probably cut out a minute of it. I, I think so. It'll be great. Yeah. So it makes my job easier, so I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> um, so thank you again for coming on, Dr. Allman, Dr. Gary. We talked about that beforehand. Dr. Gary, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Thanks. We really do appreciate, appreciate that. that. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or buttles, give us a shout on Facebook, social media, Instagram. We're all on all of those platforms. Patreon.com slash rootedinlogospod.com. I rattle it off just because people notice. I was speaking in tongues. (laughs) Rootedinlogospod.com. In the meantime, we'll see you guys next week. Stay Stay rooted. rooted.